I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. <laughs> Kia ora everybody. I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. In this episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Nina about her two birth stories with her daughters. Nina takes us through her journey to pregnancy, which was a really interesting one. She was actually diagnosed with early onset menopause at the age of 34, so she takes us through that journey and then also falling pregnant twice. So two quite different birth stories and yeah, just a really interesting episode. So thanks Nina and I hope you enjoy. Hi Nina, thanks so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure. It's great to talk to you. Awesome. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family? Of course. Um, My name's Nina. My husband is Owen and we have two little girls, Neve, who is two years and four months old and Elspeth, who turned nine months old today. Lovely. And what part of New Zealand do you guys live in? Um, I'm from Auckland and my husband is British and we live in Auckland, but are going to be moving down to the Hawke's Bay in the new year, which will be an exciting little venture for our family. Oh, cool. Very nice. Awesome. And what was the journey like to pregnancy for you guys? Do you want to take us through the first time around? Yeah, sure. It was definitely a bit of a roller coaster, quite a kind of interesting journey in the fact that I, um, met Owen in, um, 2016 and it was a bit of a whirlwind romance. I was 34 and I'd been living overseas for um, years and years and years and kind of come back to New Zealand. And yeah, we met and I realized pretty quickly that he was the one and I came off the pill um, probably within a few, a few months of meeting. We got engaged really quickly and we talked right from the get go about having children, but we probably yeah. thought we would wait for a year and then just, you know, enjoy being engaged and getting married and then maybe start thinking about it. But I was also very aware of my age. Um, so I came off the pill and I had three very irregular periods after coming off it. Um, and luckily I work as, or worked as a fertility nurse at the time. Um, oh, okay. So I, yeah, which was kind of quite helpful that I had lots of, you know, people in the know that I could ask yeah. about anything fertility um, related. So I spoke to one of the doctors at work and she kind of suggested just monitoring, you know, how irregular they were and that if they hadn't, you know, if it had been more than kind of three or four months, that maybe it would be an idea to go and talk to the GP and get some bloods done. Um, But at the same time, I was also having some really bad night sweats and flushing, especially you know, it'd be first thing in the morning and, and kind of handover at work and everyone else would be middle of winter and it would be really cold and I'd literally be standing there with sweat just dripping off me, oh, no. <laughs> which was, in a, you know, middle of winter and I was like, is anyone else really hot? And they're like, 
I was like, oh God. And I'd actually been um, living in India before I moved back to New Zealand. And I thought, oh God, you know, I got really paranoid. I thought, gosh, maybe I've got TB, you know, all these night sweats and (laughs) kind of didn't think anything about the fertility side of things. So took myself off to the doctor saying, can you please test me for TB? Because I've been having all these symptoms. And just as a, t- a little aside, I was like, oh, and actually while I'm here as well, could you just do a fertility profile on me? Um, just a series of bloods, just because we're thinking about starting a family and, you know, my periods have been a little bit ir- ir- irregular, but didn't really think much of it. Anyway, my GP rang me back later on that day and I could kind of tell from his voice that it was kind of fairly serious and, you know, um, results he wanted to give me. Um, and basically my blood results had come back to show that I was kind of postmenopausal. Um, so just very, very low hormone levels with a very high FSH, which is your follicle stimulating hormone level, which is very high in postmenopausal women. So people have stopped, stopped their periods. Um, so that was a bit of a shock and kind of doing the job I do, I was pretty aware of what he was telling me you didn't really need to explain anything. Um, so yeah, I kind of came off the phone and I was at work. And then I think just before I left, I spoke, he actually said, look, repeat them in a few days. Maybe this is just a, you know, just an abnormal result. But, um, I kind of, by that stage had put two, two and two together and thought, well, I'm actually also having hot sweats and night sweats and irregular periods. It all kind of clicked into place. Um, so I repeated the bloods a few days later and sure enough, they were probably even worse than the first set that I did. Um, so I spoke to one of the doctors at work and they kind of clarified what I pretty much already knew that it sounded like I was going through menopause, um, at the age of 34 and that I would probably need to have an egg donor if I wanted to get pregnant. I had maybe a five to seven, five to 10% chance of getting pregnant, um, naturally. Yeah, but most likely would need an egg donor. And obviously doing the work I do, I kind of, you know, work with women having egg donation and recipients all the time. So I know how tough it is for them. And it was all, yeah, all, all very close to home, obviously doing the work I do to then be diagnosed yeah. with, with that myself. So, yeah, it was quite devastating. But um, kept one of the doctors suggested I maybe just keep doing hormone levels for the next couple of months just at kind of regular times throughout my throughout the month just to see if there was any difference in my blood um blood yeah. test whether my hormone levels were changing at all and a couple of weeks later I did a blood test and one of my blood tests had increased which is your estradiol which kind of goes up as you're growing a follicle which contains an egg um so I spoke to one of the doctors at work and she was kind enough to say look I can do a scan for you just you know, just to see what's going on, if you like. So we did, she did a scan and there was actually two really big follicles on one of my ovaries and a smaller one Mm. on the other, which was, yeah, pretty, pretty cool. Um, And she said, look, you could go home and try, um, but just be aware that you've got, you know, 90, 95% chance of needing an egg donor. So we literally went home and tried. And um, then two weeks later, I did a pregnancy test and I was pregnant and it was the first and only time I'd ever tried for a pregnancy and just couldn't believe it. Yeah. So oh my gosh. Pretty was yeah, quite unbelievable really. <laughs> very, yeah, very lucky. What a whirlwind that you yeah. could have oh my gosh. experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, going from that diagnosis to finding out I was pregnant all within probably about a month. So it was, yeah, a, a real, real, real roller coaster. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. And is there any, or was there any concern sort of around you being perhaps early menopausal and being pregnant? Is there any concern for like the viability of the pregnancy or anything like that? No, not that I'm aware. It's just becoming pregnant. Yeah, just because yeah. you've got so few eggs, basically. So yeah, once right. you're pregnant, it's just kind of considered um, a, a feeling, a, you know, a normal, a normal pregnancy. Yeah. Awesome. And how did you find out that you were pregnant? Did you do a test or you felt some early symptoms? Yeah, I think I did a test uh, around about, you know, when I, basically I knew exactly when I'd, when I'd ovulated because I'd been tracking my bloods. Um, and then I did a blood test a week after and I knew that I'd ovulated because my progesterone level was high. And then I did another blood test a week after that and I it came back with a positive HCG, which is the hormone that your body yeah. produces when you're pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, oh, amazing. And how were you feeling? Um, yeah, quite a, a bit overwhelmed. Um, obviously very yeah. excited. It ended up that, you know, I was pregnant well before I expected that we would be, but mm. just just so, so unbelievably blessed and so grateful that we were, you know, having the experience of actually being able to, to get pregnant. So all of that yeah. completely, you, you know, over, yeah, amazing. <laughs> yeah awesome and did you have many pregnancy symptoms in your first trimester um I think within a couple of days of getting that positive pregnancy test I um started to get really sore boobs really really sore if anyone tried to hug me I'd be like oh get away mm-hmm. um and then maybe about a week afterwards started to get that kind of queasy morning sickness feeling yeah thankfully that only lasted probably for about three weeks and I never threw up um, in either of my pregnancies actually, thankfully. Um, but it was yeah. just that all day, just slightly, you know, I just need to eat something as soon as I woke up and eat fairly regularly throughout the day. Um, and just felt really exhausted probably for that first trimester as well. I'd come home from work and need to kind of get straight into bed and have a bit of a nap before dinner and then go to bed yeah. really, really early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And did you do the sort of standard testing offered in New Zealand throughout your pregnancy? Yes, I did. Yeah. Cool. And how are you feeling sort of emotionally going through the second and third trimesters? Do you want to take us through um, the rest of your pregnancy experience? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, it was all pretty, well, I say it was uneventful. I At the 20-week scan, it was picked up that the baby was measuring two weeks behind dates. Um, yeah. And so they got me to do another repeat scan um, a couple of to, uh, like a week or two later and it was basically exactly the same so I was diagnosed with um, um, interuterine uh, growth restriction so basically yep. just small for dates um, so that meant a lot more scans unfortunately um, but you know obviously very necessary um, so yeah I did have quite a few scans I was being scanned at least probably at least once a month if not and then towards the end, a lot more regularly than that. And it was, yeah. she was, uh, or we didn't actually know it was a she at this point. We didn't find out, but um, she was always measuring about two weeks behind. So they decided um, towards the end that I would be induced at 38 weeks because of, because yeah. of that, because she'd be better out than in basically. So she could start putting yeah, on right. Yeah. 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 And did you do any antenatal classes or birthing classes, anything like that while you were pregnant? 
Yeah, I did. We were um, we were living in kind of central Auckland, and we were going to be moving out to uh, West Auckland. So we decided to do our antenatal classes out there, so we would know hopefully people within the area. We didn't really know that many people out west. Um, yeah. So we did it through the parent centre, and that was really really good. I think um, as far as information goes, I'm a nurse and my husband's a GP, so we were pretty clued up yeah. on kind of the process anyway, but um, it was really great to meet a whole bunch of people from out this way, and we had a really good coffee group that we met through that. Um, I also did the – we did the hypnobirthing course um, that was oh, held awesome. at birth care. Yeah, yep. and that was really – that was actually really, really good, and I also did the um, prenatal yoga classes as well, which I oh, actually cool. almost found that the most helpful, just with um, breathing exercises in different positions for labour and whatnot. Yeah. Awesome. And did you, so do you want to take us through your induction process and sort of that early labor experience? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it was kind of weird because you obviously you're given a book dinner on, you know, a certain time and a certain date. <laughs> so there was no kind of niggles of, Oh, am I going into labor? And I think I was desperately hoping that, um, the baby might come before that 38 week mark. So yeah. I could go into labor, labor natu- naturally because I've, really wanted to have as an, as natural a, a labor as possible, you know, with, with drug free if, if possible. And I knew that the chances of that happening if I was induced were kind of diminished somewhat. So I really, really wanted to go into labor naturally, but at 38 weeks, I just, I was looking really, I'm tall and I just wasn't, you know, the week before I gave birth, someone asked me if I was pregnant. Like <laughs> I just didn't really particularly yeah. look like a pregnant woman and I didn't feel like I dropped and, yeah, there was just no way she she was going to come out anytime soon. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they booked me in for an induction on, I think it was like the Tuesday Tuesday morning um, and kind of rocked up to the hospital at 7, 7 a.m. And they wanted to do it fairly gra- uh, gradually or, or um, what would you say, kind of just like as easy, uh, less, intervention, less intervention as possible just because she yeah. was small. So they didn't want to put her under too much stress. I, um, so they started off by giving me the gel, um, plastic ending gel and hooked me up to the monitoring. Um, and I started to have contractions pretty regularly, pretty quickly, but I couldn't, it just felt like tightenings. It wasn't painful. Um, and they basically said, just, you know, go, go, go out for a couple of hours, come back. So I literally must have walked up and down the 12 flights of stairs at Auckland Hospital about 10 times that day, just <laughs> desperately trying to kick things along. Um, went down to the, the domain and it was actually a really lovely day. Just like, come on, baby. Um, yeah. And then kind of headed back there in the afternoon and did another lot of gel. Again, still having um, contractions, but not painful and no, still only two centimetres. I think they did a an examination and I was two centimeters. Um, so I think at that point they did a few stretch and sweeps that day as well. Again, and I think I had either two or three gels. I can't remember quite how many, but they did warn me that it was going to be a process and it might take two or three days before the baby came. Um, I'd also had a really bad sinus infection in the week leading up to being induced and I'd only just started on antibiotics. So I literally was in the the room doing steam inhalations all of that day, just desperate. And I was so exhausted. I hadn't slept properly for about three nights before because I couldn't breathe through my nose. Um, so I yeah went into it, unfortunately, feeling pretty rubbish and being 
really, really, really knackered. Um, but yeah, that day was, it, it was, it was kind of nice, but kind of boring and nothing, nothing really much happened. (laughs) And I obviously said goodbye to my husband at night and stayed in overnight and yeah, nothing had really happened by the next morning. Every time they hooked me up, I was having fairly regular contractions, but just couldn't really feel them. And yeah, the hat still hadn't dilated. So in the morning, um, I think they gave me another stretch and sweep and they said when they examined me just before lunchtime the following day, they said, I think we could probably, I think I was like two and a half centimeters. And they said, look, we could probably break your waters. Um, but we don't want to do that here. We need to wait for a bed to become available in the birthing suite. So again, we had to kind of wait for another couple of hours before there was a room available in delivery. And then I was able to move across from the women's assessment unit across the corridor to the delivery suite. Um, and yeah, so they broke my waters. I think it was kind of early afternoon, maybe like one o'clock in the afternoon. And I just was so happy up until that point, just reading my birthing books and listening <laughs> to nice music and, um, all just very happy and contented and excited. And she literally broke my waters and I was kind of hoping that I might have a chance to just kind of see what eventuated, but they literally came straight back into the room with the Sintosin drip. <laughs> And started putting a cannula into my arm, which I was a bit gutted about because I, 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 you know, wanted to let things progress as naturally as possible. Yeah. And I really didn't want that drip, but I think as well, they, you know, with her being small, they wanted to get things, get things moving and not let it go on for days and days and days. Um, and literally <laughs> it was just like, night and day, they put that drip up and within yeah. kind of a minute, I was just, a different person and I yeah um I had the lights off I didn't really know how you never really know until you go into labor how you what you're going to need while you're in labor and I I thought I was going to want all this massage and music Mm -hmm. and you know (laughs) all these different things but in actual fact as soon as they really the contractions really ramped up and hit me all I wanted was a dark room. I didn't want anyone to talk to me. And I literally just sat <laughs> sat on a um, Swiss wall, curled over the bed, and I just basically sat there for the next kind of six hours, I think it was, until she next checked me. And I didn't want anyone to speak to me. I didn't want my husband to so much yeah. as touch me. I just was <laughs> so, so in the zone and so kind of introverted and in my own head with just getting through each contraction. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, yeah, so I think it was about 8 o'clock that the mid, the lovely kind of hospital midwife said, look, we'll um, do a check if you like. And I thought, oh, yes, great. You know, this is, yeah, let's see how, how far we've got. You know, she literally got me onto the bed and she's like, oh, Nina, I'm really sorry. You're only two centimetres. I was like, oh, oh my God. gosh. <laughs> two and a half centimeters yesterday, you know this morning when you broke my water yeah and I couldn't believe it because I just oh I just you know six hours of just being in that oh my gosh yeah anyway <laughs> so at that point and I was just so exhausted I was literally having a, a contraction and then using and then my, my husband was like putting a towel over my head and I was doing a steam inhalation and mm. it was just ridiculous it was just ridiculous and I hadn't really slept all night so I'd you know had four nights really with not much sleep at all and just raging sinus infection <laughs> and I was just I was a bit yeah a bit exhausted by that point and he kind of suggested look 
do you think it maybe is time for an epidural? And I didn't even hesitate. I was like, yes. And I think if I'd been further along, I probably would have just continued on. But just to know who knows how much longer it was going to take and to not even have dilated, I just was like, okay, yes, this is a very good idea. Um, Yeah, so they put that up pretty quickly. I think it was in within about 45 minutes. And um, and then obviously once that was in place, I had to stay on the bed, whereas prep up to then I hadn't wanted to be on the bed at all. It was just way too uncomfortable. Um, So, yeah, they put me on the bed. And they the whole time since they put the drip up, they were monitoring me quite carefully because the um, baby's heart rate was um, de-escalating a little bit between contractions so her heart rate was dropping a bit and they were a little bit concerned about that and they had at this point started kind of prepping me for theatre um and a consultant had kind of been in and out of the room and they were kind of like look if you can get this baby out fairly quickly um you can have a vaginal delivery but otherwise we're going to have to um take you to theatre and I really didn't want to have to go to theatre if I could at all you know, get away with yeah. not, not doing that. Obviously I wanted her to come out as safely as possible and whatever needed to happen needed to happen. But, um, I was still hoping that I could deliver vaginally. Um, so yeah, once they put that epidural and it was amazing, it was like my body was able to, I thought I was, I was using all of my hypnobirthing breathing techniques, but it wasn't until that epidural went up that obviously my body just totally relaxed because yeah. they che- checked me again. Um, oh, I mean, they were, they were having to check, they were taking blood samples from baby's head that they could, they could see, um, to check how much distress she was in basically. And they were like, yeah, we've got a bit more time. So, um, just keep going. And then they literally, she checks me and she's and within about an hour, I'd gone from two centimeters to 10 centimeters. It was crazy. Oh, wow. Just happened so quickly once that epidural was in place. It was, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so yeah, once, once the, I was fully dilated, they were like, right, okay, you need to push and you need to get baby out as quickly as possible. Um, because otherwise you have to go to theater, which went completely against everything I've learned in hypnobirthing, which is all about <laughs> yeah. breathing baby down and doing it with your body and following the contractions. And they were literally just like, right, put your knees up, bear yeah. down, put your chin to your chest and just push as hard, as, hard as you can. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so once once I was fully dilated, it just all happened very, very quickly. And I'd asked, we'd asked if my husband could deliver the baby, and the, um, the doctor, who, the obstetrician that was there, was happy for him to do that. So he was able to kind of put on the gloves and kind of she just stood back, and he was able to kind of do the whole thing, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it was probably five minutes of pushing. It was actually very quick. Um, and she was obviously quite small as well, which probably helped make it a quick delivery. Um, and yeah, so it was probably maybe 10 pushes and they were really trying to slow me down. Um, trying to having to put a bit of counter pressure on her head to stop me delivering her too quickly. Um, and then, yeah, she was born and my husband popped her onto my chest and told me that we had a little girl because we didn't know Mm -hmm. what we were having. And it was, Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful and overwhelming and, yeah, amazing. Yeah, oh, how lovely. And did you do skin to skin for a while? Yes, yeah, they were really good, actually. They let me – she was probably on my chest for about an hour, yeah, which was great while oh, they great. kind of did whatever they needed to do. Um, 
and yeah. they seemed because she'd come out quite awake. They end in you know good Apgar score and whatnot. They they weren't too worried about it. She was little. She's only two point two kilos, but um, because she was fine when she was born, and she kind of cried straight away. And yeah, they were happy for her to have that skin to skin. Yeah. And was that birth weight sort of around what they were estimating her to be at when you were going for your scans? Yes, I think so. Yeah. And they had told me that anything yeah. over two kilos, um, anything under two kilos, she'd need to go into the NICU. Um, and cause yeah. she was over that, it meant that I, I knew that we would probably need to stay in hospital, in hospital for a little bit longer, but, um, I knew that, she, you know, she'd, she'd be able to kind of stay with me. So yeah, they were pretty bang on with the, the with the size. Yeah, awesome. And did you need any stitches or anything like that from your birth? Yeah, they did actually give me a episiotomy. I think because she was born quite quickly, they decided to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I had, um, yeah, a couple of stitches, which healed actually really nicely. So yeah, that was good. Yeah. Awesome. And did she latch on initially or what was your sort of plan with breastfeeding yeah. and, and that journey? Um, yeah, she, well, because we knew she was going to be really small, it was, it was actually in our antenatal classes that I'd never heard of, um, of, of it before, but in our antenatal classes, we watched a video and it said something about expressing colostrum um, in the lead up to delivering for if you thought you might have a small baby. Um, so we actually started doing that from about 36 weeks onwards, which is fairly labor intensive. You're getting literally, you know, a yeah. couple of mils maybe each time. It's so slow, isn't it? Such a slow <laughs> yeah. process, Yeah. Um, and I'm so glad that we did because we managed to take in probably about 40 or I can't remember if it was 20 or 40 mils, but a, a decent amount of colostrum into the hospital with us. And she really, really needed that because she came out pretty hungry and she did latch on um, pretty quickly. But when they're that small, they they don't want them to spend too long breastfeeding because it just uses up too much energy. Um, so it was okay. Yeah, so it was great to have that colostrum on hand. Um, just to be able to give to her for that first, I think it actually only lasted for about 24 hours before we ran out. Um, but yeah, I definitely wanted to breastfeed if, if, if possible. Um, and she did have a really good latch to begin with, um, right kind of from the get go. And yeah, so that was, that was great. She latched on probably within about 10 minutes of being born. Yeah. Awesome. And how long did you spend in the hospital? We actually ended up being there. I was there for almost a week all up between being induced. I think we went in Tuesday morning to be induced and I left the following um, Monday morning, I think it was. So I was there for five five nights after she was born. Yeah. Um, And that was really just to establish feeding for her. Um, So I was on a two-hourly feed schedule, which was really really <laughs> full-on because it takes about an hour, yeah. an hour to latch them on give them a feed and then change their nappy and wrap them back up and get them back to sleep so yeah it was kind of like an hour's sleep an hour awake an hour's sleep an hour awake for five days <laughs> it was exhausting yeah yeah, yeah really really tiring yeah. yeah and once were you once you were able to go home what was that experience like obviously you're adjusting to life as a new mum, and your hormones are sort of all over the place and trying to normalize and probably your milk's trying to come in. How were you feeling? I think, um, all of that was probably uh, while I was in the hospital in the couple of days, I remember, um, her being born just before midnight on the Wednesday night. And that was just all a bit of a blur. And then I think the, the, the following night I was in a shared room and I just didn't get any sleep and she was, 
you know, crying in the middle of the night, even after I'd fed her, she just seemed so hungry. And I remember calling one of the midwives and she, my milk hadn't really come in at that point. And she kind of said to me, look, I think she's going to need an NG tube down to, um, be able to give her a topper up with formula. And I remember being really upset about that and just, you know, that I couldn't feed her myself. Obviously I, I was, you know, what, what needed to be done needed to be done, but I just, yeah. I think I was just absolutely exhausted as well. And anything was going to set me off when it came to, you know, just being an emotional wreck. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, she did put an NG tube down and for a couple of days I was having to supplementary feed her. And it was actually really amazing because both of my sisters were breastfeeding at the time. And, um, I think they knew that I didn't really want to have to use formula just because she was so tiny and so new if, if possible. So, um, they both were amazing and, and were able to express off, um, milk and give it, bring it into the hospital. So she actually only needed to have, oh, awesome. yeah, it was a really nice special thing actually. Um, so she only had to have kind of a days of kind of top up formula feeds. And then my sisters were able to kind of step in and help out for the next couple of days. And, and then as soon as my milk came in, oh my goodness, like, it came in and um from then we were absolutely fine so I think I probably had that hormonal crash um probably the couple of days after she was born while I was still in the hospital and yeah. then I think by the time I got home I'd had five days of really solid breastfeeding help from the midwives like every time I needed to latch her on yeah. I'd pretty much call them just to make sure I was getting a good latch and that was so amazing to have that opportunity to go home just feeling really confident with the breastfeeding and it didn't, you know, my nipples were pretty unscathed from, from having a newborn. So I think, yeah. yeah, by the time I got home, I was just, we were just in a little bubble of just being just, you know, just so happy and over the moon and yeah, yeah. it was yeah, really, really lovely. Lovely. And what was your physical recovery like from your birth? Um, Yeah, pretty good actually. I was probably a little bit sore kind of down below for maybe a week tops and I was using those um sanitary pads with kind of in the that you pop you wet them and pop them in the freezer and then just pop them in your knickers just for a bit yeah which was a bit of relief and I think witch hazel as well which was great um but actually it didn't really stop me stop me doing anything um so yeah, yeah no it was it was actually really really good yeah very lucky yeah Awesome. And what was the rest of your sort of breastfeeding journey like? I know you've obviously got a second child now, so yes. you must have um, ovulated while you were breastfeeding yeah, still. Yeah. Well, we'd we um, yeah. so basically with the the my diagnosis of premature ovarian insufficient insufficiency, I was told by um, the doctors I work with that if I wanted to try for another pregnancy. Um, that I would probably need to stop breastfeeding fairly quickly because time was really of the essence. Yeah. Um, so kind of from the get go, I was pumping a lot and storing breast milk. And then when she got, when, um, Neve got to be about six months old, I started, I started doing a formula bottle in the evening and then, um, dropping feeds during the day and just supplementing it with frozen breast milk. Um, and then just yeah. in the hope that I would maybe get, another period and I just I really had no idea you know for all I knew I, I might not have never I might have never got another period but um when she was yeah about seven months old I'd stopped feeding her all but once during the day and the rest of them were just frozen breast milk and as soon as I dropped all those other feeds and just started feeding her 
just once a day, literally the next day I got a period, which I was again, pretty, pretty amazed about. Yeah. Um, so I checked my bloods that month and it, and I hadn't actually ovulated with that first, um, period that I got, which is not uncommon. I think with, you know, getting your period back after you've had a baby. Um, and then the following month I got another period like quite regularly, like 28 days later. And we tried that month and I, um, didn't didn't get pregnant and then um the following month I we I got in a period and we tried and I did so I was 10 months old uh sorry my daughter was um 10 months old when I got pregnant yeah with our second daughter and I was still still breastfeeding yeah. her um yeah I think probably once or twice a day um and continued up, yeah continued up until she was 13 months old so when I was maybe three or four months pregnant. Yeah. Amazing. What a exciting time, I guess, for you. You probably had no idea what to expect. So that would have been, yeah, really exciting. Oh, once felt like a miracle and twice was just, yeah, we just just couldn't believe we were that lucky twice. It was, yeah, really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And how were you feeling throughout that second pregnancy? Did you have different symptoms to your first? No, it was pretty similar actually. Had I think I had a little bit more kind of morning sickness, but I think that was probably due to the fact that um, I was working part time and running around after a eighteen month old. So yeah, you just you just yeah. don't have that time to rest when you've got a, 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 a you know a toddler or young, very young child around. So I think you just get a bit more exhausted and it just makes it a bit worse. Um, yeah, yeah. But other than that, um, no, pretty good. Again, just yeah, just a little bit of nausea and feeling pretty tired for that first trimester, but otherwise really good. Yeah. 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 Cool. And were you sort of considered high risk or at risk again of having a growth restriction in this pregnancy? Yes. Yes, I was. And they actually said my, yeah. my, um, my midwife the first time around had told me that, um, if I, or actually it was the, uh, one of the doctors at the delivery said, look, if you, if you get pregnant again, you'll need to go on a really good, um, multi pregnancy multivitamin and go on aspirin, which is what they do if you've had a small baby. And I think the thinking, oh, okay. thinking is that the aspirin just helps to increase the blood flow to the placenta. Like sometimes it's the placenta that yeah. hinders the, all the nutrition getting to the baby. So, um, the fetus. So yeah, I was put on aspirin from, um, I think it was 12 weeks of pregnancy and went on a, a yeah. good like elevish or something and yeah no problems at all actually second time around I was probably had a little bit more monitoring than normal normal more scans um but this time around baby was measuring you know fine for dates probably a touch on the small side yeah. but definitely not really really small yeah and were you under midwifery care again Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I um, had a different midwife the yeah. second time around because we had moved uh, from central Auckland to West Auckland. So I would be delivering at Waitakere Hospital second time around. Um, yeah. So yeah. New, new midwife who was really lovely. Awesome. And did you sort of have a bit of a plan of how you hoped this birth would go and things that you wanted to try and implement or were you just going into it and thinking whatever happens, happens? Yeah, I think I was. Um, I know first time around, you know, I was really wanted that kind of natural birth and obviously didn't go quite like that because I was induced and ended up having an epidural, but, um, which was absolutely fine. And at the end of the day, it didn't bother me. Yeah. You know, our baby came out safely and that's all that matters. Um, yeah. so second time around, yeah. I really, I really 
I've wanted to experience what it would be like to go into spontaneous labor for sure. Um, but I was really relaxed about, you know, what, what would be, would be and pain relief and the rest of it. Um, and yeah, so I got to, it was my husband's parents were visiting from Wales. They were over for, um, a couple of months and they were due to leave on the Thursday. Um, and my, uh, due date was on the Wednesday just the day before they were supposed to leave. So I was so determined that this baby was going to come before they left mm-hmm. the country so they could have a cuddle. Yeah. They booked the trip over before I'd found out I was pregnant. So it was kind of bad timing as far as you know, them leaving just before then. Um, so I remember on the Monday, literally spending all day, I was like, right. And maybe they say this is what happens when you're about to go into labor, that you have this sudden burst to kind of tidy your house. But yeah. I spent kind of hours like cleaning out inside and outside of our, both of our cars, <laughs> like down on my hands and knees with the vacuum. <laughs> and, and I think I remember my husband's mum just kind of looking out the door and being like, Oh yes, I think she's going to go into labor <laughs> and um, <laughs> walking on and off the curb, you know, the old kind of wives tale about that and up and downstairs. Yeah. And I literally, I probably slightly overdid it walking for miles around the area where we live. Um, and it was, it was Auckland anniversary on the Monday because my husband had had the day off and we were kind of just sitting around watching TV in the evening. And I had actually had quite a few Braxton hits that day, you know, quite a few tightenings. They were slightly uncomfortable, but they'd been a bit more intense that day than, than usual. And I just thought to myself, oh, I'm probably just doing a little bit too much. I've probably kind of slightly overdone it. Um, and we yeah. were watching a movie and I was kind of bouncing on the Swiss ball manically come on baby and um, my husband kind of went like right I've got to go to bed I've got to work in the morning he's like oh I can't bother going to work in the morning can you and I was like don't worry darling I'm gonna have the baby it's fine kind of joking (laughs) joking but you know using positive thinking as well and um so he went to bed and I kind of stayed up with his mum and watched a bit more of this movie and then at about quarter past nine I was like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna go to bed and I literally got into the bedroom and kind of started getting undressed and just heard this it was really quite bizarre I just heard this quite loud pop and I was kind of going oh you know where's the balloon or and then suddenly felt this big gush and was like oh my gosh my waters have just broken and I think I didn't quite expect the sound I expected to feel you know the water coming but not not this really loud pop um so I kind of you know shook my husband I was like my waters have broken my waters broken really excited and um so he kind of helped me kind of you know clean everything up and had a quick shower and then got into bed thinking okay you know just because my waters are broken that doesn't mean that I should probably try to get some sleep it's you know things might not still happen for a while um and I kind of got into bed and then tried to go to sleep but I was really excited actually because that kind of yeah kind of you know that things are starting to move along when that happens um and I think I stayed in bed for about an hour so it got to about 10 p.m. and I kind of was just finding it actually quite uncomfortable and I could definitely tell when contractions were coming and it was to the point that I couldn't really stay lying in bed so I kind of woke my poor husband up again and said look can you put on the TENS machine which I'd rented um I hadn't used it first time around um but this time I thought I'll give it a go I'd heard some quite good things about them um so he put it on my back for me and then I kind of started using that in the bed and I found it actually really helpful. I think 
as much as anything just for the distraction, giving you something to do. And then um, probably, yeah, lasted in bed for another half an hour. And then I just kind of got myself up into the living room and just kind of turned turned off all the lights and put on some birthing affirmations from my hypnobirthing course and put on some um, really nice kind of, I had like a birth blend aromatherapy thing, which I was put through the diffuser and I had like a homeopathic spray as well, which you were supposed to spray under your tongue every 15 minutes. So I had kind of lots of things to keep me occupied. Um, And I literally just lay on the couch and just, listened to the affirmations and just dozed and used the TENS machine. And I managed probably until about um, two o'clock in the morning, three, maybe two, three o'clock in the morning, just in the lounge by myself, just breathing through the contractions. I would kind of get up and go on the Swiss ball for a while, and but I was kind of able to cope by myself. And then I think it got to about three o'clock and I was starting to find it quite uncomfortable and I think my husband got up to go to the bathroom or something and kind of popped into the living room and was like oh you know how how are you getting on I was like oh look it's actually ramping up quite a bit do you think you could just go into your parents room because they had some paracetamol and I didn't have any any other um in the house so he kind of went and knocked on their door and was like oh can we have some paracetamol um so he, he was kind of up then and I took that and then by that stage I was like okay I actually think I need to start really actively you need to start helping me out here so we kind of went into my bedroom and into our bedroom and I was kind of leaning over the bed and this time around I think it had been building gradually over the last you know over hours um I actually did really want that counter pressure so he was kind of putting a lot of pressure on my lower back when I was getting um a contraction and I was so hot it was kind of end of January and you know, had had the fan on and getting me cold flannels to my to my forehead. So it was just so hot and sweaty, and oh yeah, it was pretty quite full on. But um, we kind of stayed in the bedroom, and I was using the tens machine, but not overly effectively by the stage. I think it was fantastic up to a point, but when it started to get quite intense, it yeah. was just a one more thing to think about that I just didn't have the kind of brain capacity to to think about. Um, so I think probably at about four o'clock in the morning, he, he was like, Oh, you know, how far apart are your contractions? I was like, do you know what? I haven't actually, haven't actually timed them. Why don't, why don't, why don't you start timing them? So we, we started timing them and, um, we're like, Oh, they're two minutes apart. Oh, and they're about a minute long. I was like, Oh, maybe we should call the midwife. I'm sure she said to call when they were like three minutes apart. He's like, Oh, Oh well, you know we don't want to get there too early. Maybe maybe just wait a little bit. You know the, the doctor and the nurse. Like, oh, <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> so I was like, well, maybe maybe just call her. And so anyway, he called her and she's like, two minutes apart, a minute apart, second baby. Right, you know, pack your bag, um, get to Waitakere Hospital <laughs> yeah. straight away. So I think yeah, we kind of had to quickly kind of get dressed and get the bag in the car and whatnot. And um, I think we left at bang on about six o'clock in the morning. And it was great actually because obviously his parents were still here, so we didn't have to worry about trying to call my sisters and my parents from the other part of Auckland to come over and look after our daughter who was fast asleep in her bed. Um, so yeah, we left left at six o'clock, and thank goodness because Lincoln Road, where Waitakere Hospital is on, is so busy, and getting stuck there in rush hour traffic would have been an absolute nightmare. But we kind of just missed it because it was yeah. only six a.m. and it probably took. 
10 minutes to get there. And I distinctly remember having three contractions in the car as I was kind of on my hands and knees with my head out the window, probably looking <laughs> anyone who was pulled up next to us would have thought I looked like a absolute mad woman. And I remember kind of just before we got there, the last contraction, just kind of everything just felt quite different. And just, I just, in my pelvis, it just felt everything kind of drop. And I was like, hmm, okay. And yeah, so we turned up and I'd wanted to, if possible, have a water birth this time around. So we, we arrived yeah. and they were running the pool and um, it was the midwife and she had a really amazing student midwife with her as well. And she literally, we kind of walked into the room and I think she pretty much took one look at me and said, okay, turn off the pool. I think it's a bit late for that. Um, and they said, look, you know, hop on the bed, let's examine you. And I think I literally walked over to the bed, had two massive back-to-back contractions, was kind of steadying myself on the bed and then jumped up for her to examine me. And she was like, there was a student midwife actually examined me. And she's like, oh, right, okay, you're 10 centimetres. You can start pushing. (laughs) And I just couldn't believe it, actually. (laughs) So I was so certain that they were going to say, oh, you're four centimetres, you know, you've got to go home and come back later. Yeah. Like I, I had totally had it in my mind that that was going to be the case and I just could not believe that I was there and ready to go. So, yeah, they kind of asked me where I want, you know, whether I wanted to stay on, on my back or whether I wanted to try to get on my hands and knees and I really had absolutely no idea. So I was like, um, just stay, stay like this. And it mm. was maybe, again, maybe five pushes and again um they were happy for my husband to deliver which was really cool um so the midwife was videoing on my on my phone and the student yeah yeah she just kind of said just at you know we hadn't discussed it but she just kind of said at the time oh do you want me to take a video I was like oh yeah sure why not so yeah she was taking taking video of it and the student nurse midwife was kind of helping out my husband was doing the kind of delivering and, um, uh, yeah, it was probably, I think we arrived at 6.15 and she was born at, um, 6.35. So I was literally there for 15 minutes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was <laughs> so yeah. super fast and probably about five minutes of pushing, but such a different experience from the first time around where it was just all about bearing down and just getting that baby out as quickly as possible. Yeah. This time it was just, yeah, I just rem- remember it being quite a beautiful experience in a way because I was just pushing with the contractions and then in between there'd just be this real lull of kind of almost quiet within the room and my husband had raced out and got there was like a particular song I wanted playing when I delivered so he amazingly somehow managed to sprint back to the car and <laughs> get the aromatherapy or diffuser going so it smelled really beautiful and had this beautiful song playing and um which is really cool actually and yeah, so it was just really, I wasn't pushing. I was just kind of really breathing, breathing the baby out in between as with yeah. the contractions, which was just, yeah, an awesome, an awesome experience this time around. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And did you know you were having a girl this time? We did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't want to find out, but my husband, yeah. my husband really did. So I was like, okay, well, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I got my way the first time around. So we'll, we'll find out. So yeah, we knew she was having, Neve was getting a little sister. Yeah. Yeah, oh, lovely. And how big was she when she was born? Um, she was just over three kilos. So yeah, a full kilo, like still quite petite, but definitely, um, yeah, much bigger than, much bigger than her older sister. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah. Oh, lovely. And did you do sort of the skin to skin and all of that, um, delayed cord, cord clamping and everything like that this time? Or yes. what was that like? Yep. Yep. I kind of talked through all of that with my midwife ahead of time and she knew I wanted delayed cord clamping and as much skin to skin as possible. Um, and a natural third stage if possible. So, um, yeah, she yeah. was on my chest probably for cl- probably close to an hour. They kind of got things ready and actually my placenta came away. Um, within about five minutes, I think I right, vaguely remember holding Elspeth on my chest and at the midwife kind of saying, Oh, the, pl- the placenta is kind of there ready to come out. So, um, I, yeah, that only took about five minutes. Um, and then they waited until, yeah, the cord had stopped pulsating before they clamped it, which was really nice that I got that experience. Yeah. And then she latched on, um, probably within five minutes of being born as well, which was, yeah, really beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And did you have any tearing or stitches this time around? No, no. I mean, again, it was a very, very, very fast, you know, fast labor and very fast pushing stage. But um, again, not an overly big baby, which was probably helpful. But I think she said I had a slight tear. And she did say she could do a couple of stitches or she said, look, it'll probably heal itself within, you know, four or five days. So I was just like, oh, look, just leave it. It's fine. And it was, it was fine. I did yeah. literally the next day. I barely even knew that anything had kind of happened down there. Yeah. It's really lucky. Yeah. Mm, awesome. And how long did you spend in the hospital this time? Oh gosh. I was so, the, the thing I was almost <laughs> most excited about with my second pregnancy was the opportunity to go to Helensville birthing unit afterwards. Cause I'd heard so many, oh, yeah. so many amazing things about it. I was just like, Oh, I can't wait. You know, we'll have, we'll give our old, older daughter to my parents and we'll spend two or three nights there with the new one and it'll just be amazing. And, um, so yeah, she was, she was born and she's like, right, you know, left the room to do a few bits and bobs. And she's like, you still want to go to Helensville? I was like, yeah, yeah, that'd be amazing. And then, um, she came in about half an hour later. She's like, look, I'm really sorry, but someone in Helensville has gone into labor. So they don't have any beds for you. And I was like, no, oh, no. <laughs> it's been nine months. So excited about this. Um, but actually it worked out to be for the best because we, I, I mean, she was delivered at 6.30. We were home by 9.30. Like I was discharged at quarter past yeah. nine. So we were only there for like just over three hours and we just came home and it oh, was amazing. Yeah, yeah, I know. It kind of felt a bit surreal. I was sitting in my lounge at home at 9.30 having a cup of tea with my husband and his parents with grandma having a, or ninety, she's out Welsh, um, <laughs> having a cuddle with, with baby Elspeth. So it all just was like, mm. almost felt like a little bit like a dream. Yeah. And, um, amazing for yeah. them, amazing for them because they then got, um, two whole days pretty much with her. So yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Which just, yeah, was just incredible. It just all worked out so well. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And how did big sister react to new baby coming home? Yeah, she was a bit kind of, she met us at the door and she saw her in the little capsule and she was a bit kind of like, yeah, I mean, she was only 19 months old and she was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she, yeah. she was, she was actually really, really good with her. She didn't get too jealous. I think actually they say it's quite a good age gap as far as them not being kind of old enough to get that real jealousy. Um, but yeah. she was actually really, really sweet with her, quite helpful, wanted to, you know, help with wiping her bottom and, you know, feeding the baby and all of this kind of stuff. So yeah, she actually did, yeah. did very, very well, but still pretty full on having so little, little in age gap. You've really got two little babies, you know, a 19 month old, still quite, yeah. quite, quite young. So yeah, it def- yeah, definitely had its pretty full on moments. <laughs> 
Yeah. And how did you go sort of adjusting to life as a, as a mum to two and, and two really young, um, babies still? Um, yeah, definitely. I'm really lucky in the fact that both of my sisters live in the same area as I do. So, and they've got children around the same age. So we've all support each other yeah. and my parents are in Auckland. Um, so that's been really, really good. Um, so I think it's probably yeah. been, and my husband does quite good at like, he's probably around probably more so than some, some other, um, partners are just because of, because of his work. So I'm really blessed in the fact that, yeah, he's, he does a couple of half days a week so he can take them and take them out for walks and spend time with them and yeah, got, yeah lots of family on hand. So it's been, it's been pretty good, which isn't to say that you don't get exhausted with, you know, babies that aren't sleeping particularly well through, through the night yeah. and yeah, but no, all, all in all, it's been a pretty awesome experience having two. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, lovely. And how did you go with your breastfeeding journey this time? Yeah, actually really, really good. Um, I, the first time around I had a bit of nipple grazing kind of straight away, but this time I didn't at all. And I've had, um, great kind of supply and it's been really awesome as well because I've been able to, um, I found out through, I think I saw something about it on the project on TV one night about, um, milk donation, uh, milk, milk donation yeah. charity. And I've got such really good supply and kind of no issues with, with breastfeeding. So I got in contact with them and was able to set myself up as a donor. So yeah, that's been, it's called Mother's Milk um, is the name of the charity. And I think they're always looking for yeah. donors. They've got lots of recipients. Um, so that's been really lovely to be able to kind of pay that forward. You know, I was really lucky to receive donor milk and it's been nice to be able to, to, to help someone else out in that regard. Um, so at the moment I'm do- yeah. donating to a, a little baby and um, still breastfeeding Elspeth who's just turned nine months and I'll probably keep breastfeeding her. Um, oh yeah, I don't really have any plans to stop anytime soon. Definitely until she's at least a year old, yeah. but it's just been so easy and I really enjoy it and it's just really special, special time really. And it's just, yeah, easy and just, I, I really enjoy it. So I've been very, very lucky in that regard. Yeah. So yeah, no, no plans to stop mm. anytime soon. Yeah. Awesome. And is the charity that you just talked about, Mother's Milk, is that New Zealand wide or just in Auckland? Um, I think it is. I, I think it is New Zealand wide. Yeah. Yeah. But I think probably yeah. um, most of their, I'm assuming most of their recipients and donors are um, in, I think it's the charity's based maybe in Auckland. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I'll pop a note about that because I know I often get messages from people sort of asking similar things. So that's oh, great. Right. That's really interesting. Really good charity. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. And is there anything else that you'd like to share in regards to your birth story or just the journey that you've been on? Um, I guess there was a few, there was a few quite good books that I read in the, in the lead up to, um, preg- la- yeah. labor, which I'd kind of quite like to recommend one. I didn't read it the first time around because it has only just recently come out, but it's such a good book. And, I just think it's a really good resource for anyone that's going into motherhood um, called Smart Mothering by Dr. Natalie Flynn. I think she's based in Auckland and just yeah. all very much evidence-based um, ab- about all sorts of things, t- um, you know, breastfeeding, um, technology, um, like, you know, being on phones and whatnot with with babies around and how it might affect them. Um 
Oh, it's just, it's got so much good information on it, uh, in it, I should say. So that was a really, really good resource. And then an, a, another book that I read in the lead up to both labors, which I found to be awesome was called The Bir- The Good Birth Companion by Nicole Croft. And I just got it out from the library and I don't even think you can get it from the library anymore, but I think I managed to pick up a one on Kindle and it's just got lots of really good information about birth preparation and the birth itself. Um, just talks about the three stages of labor and then about the weeks and the months after delivery. And I just found it to be really practical, really straightforward. It's just such a good read. Um, so I definitely recommend that. And I guess the other thing is that I found the TENS machine to be absolutely amazing. Um, I've heard some people say yeah. it doesn't necessarily work that well for them, but I just, it not only distracted me, but I think it kind of changed the, um, type of pain that I was feeling which was a lot less yeah it was was hard to explain but it just it it was a really 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 good thing to use during labor and I think oh you know you may as well give it a go because I think it cost about 60 bucks to rent but it, it may not be helpful but if it is helpful it does a really really good job yeah but just make sure yeah. if you are going to use one that you try playing around with it a little bit before you go through actually go into labor because that can be a little bit that can be a little bit tricky um there's a few different buttons and you don't want to kind of be laboring and confused as to what button to push and whatnot so yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah try it out first yeah yeah awesome thank you for sharing those i'll be sure to pop them in the show notes as well oh cool Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, Nina. I really appreciate it. And I think you've got a really interesting story, one that we haven't sort of heard before. So thank you very much for being willing to come on and share. Oh, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure to share it with you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your feedback. So either leave a review on the podcast app that you're listening on or head to our Instagram at Kiwi Birth Tales and leave a comment there. If you're interested in sharing your birth tale, then please head to the Instagram page and use the email link to get in touch. Thanks again for listening. I really look forward to sharing the next episode with you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.